This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. The long-awaited Mueller report has been delivered to the Attorney General, and a summary has been delivered to Congress. What questions are left to be answered? Cato Senior Fellow Julian Sanchez comments. The Mueller report is in, at least in a sense. That is, it's been written and it's been submitted to the Attorney General. The Attorney General released a uh, small uh, short document to members of Congress to say these are essentially the top-line findings of this report about Russian interference in U.S. elections in 2016. In general, what are your first takeaways just from the summary that's been released? I mean, I think my first takeaway is that we we know something fairly important, um, which is sort of the most cartoonish imaginable version of uh, a kind of Hollywood conspiracy between the Trump campaign and Russia um, you know, did not occur, or at least doesn't appear to have generated enough evidence to to believe it occurred. Um, and that's important. Um, but that's also not a lot to learn from a multi-year, extraordinarily uh, labor and resource-intensive investigation. And so um, I don't think we'll really know um, what it means in a, in a full sense uh, until we've seen uh, the full report, or at least as much of the report as, as can be uh, can be released in light of ongoing investigations. All right. So uh, another point that uh, you have made uh, made a long time ago, essentially, is that this investigation is not a waste of time if you believe that the Russian intelligence agents attempted a campaign to influence U.S. elections. That alone makes uh, some investigation worth it. Right. I mean, I think that there is a reaction we're seeing now that, uh, you know, because the conclusion is, well, there wasn't uh, a conspiracy, um, that this was all a huge waste of time. And that seems, you know, a little crazy to me. Um, it, it's at this point, I think, beyond serious dispute that there was uh, an intelligence operation mounted by a foreign power to influence a presidential election. Um, once we to take that fact, um, it's sort of inconceivable that you wouldn't investigate that. Of course, that would require a detailed investigation. And uh, it's clear that an enormous amount of what uh, the special counsel's probe did was flesh out um, how that worked, how the Internet Research Agency operated, uh, what the strategic goals to some extent were, uh, what the tactics involved were, um, you know, what kind of Facebook groups were created, what kind of tactics were used to infiltrate uh, the DNC email service. So that's all valuable information that needed to be investigated. Uh, and I think, again, once you acknowledge that that happened and that um, it was at least in part with the aim of benefiting one campaign, it seems you know crazy that you wouldn't, along with the investigation of the interference, investigate whether anyone on the U.S. side had a role in that. Uh, and uh, again, if the sort of the cartoon version where there was a, a kind of explicit, um, you know, uh, conspiracy to you know uh, to on the details of that intelligence operation wasn't super likely. Um, it's still important to rule out that scenario, and so I think it's it's valuable that uh, that we've done that at least as far as as one possibly could. So, with respect to uh, the way uh, Democrats in particular have responded to this, it's almost as if the fact that uh, what was widely believed and uh, I think known to some extent that the Russians were involved in a in a campaign to disrupt or influence the U.S. election that seems to be like 
secondary here? I mean, in part because that is something, um, you know, that was established, you know, uh, to some extent quite a while ago. Um, so that part doesn't come as a surprise, even though once you accept that part, the fact that the rest of the investigation was necessary ought to follow. Um, you know, I, I suppose some people expected, again, a kind of Hollywood Putin and Trump on the phone directly, um, you know, plotting hacks. But I think that was always uh, a little unlikely because from what we knew publicly, it, it appeared that to the extent that there was information flow, it was either happening publicly um, in the open or through cutouts, uh, funneling information to the campaign through uh, people who weren't so directly identifying themselves as Russian agents. Um, and that, you know, just from a sort of strategic perspective, it's not clear why it would be worth the risk for the Russian side if they wanted to boost the Trump campaign or harm the Clinton campaign of reading in the sort of notoriously undisciplined Trump campaign. That seems like a, an unacceptable risk for an intelligence operation. So I had never thought that was the most likely scenario. Um, but ruling that out, the kind of obviously criminal uh, kind of conspiracy, still leaves a lot of questions unanswered. And so you know, to the extent a lot of manpower uh, and a lot of search warrants and subpoenas and other resources have gone into uh, this report, uh, you know, it, it's not really getting the the full taxpayer value out of this inquiry um, to only learn, well, we didn't find uh, any additional indictable felonies. Um, there's, you know, quite a lot more one would want to know before assessing, uh, you know, the meaning of what they found. Um, for instance, um, this was an investigation that had both a kind of criminal initially and a counterintelligence component. So it was the question on the one hand, well, was you know, Trump or anyone on the campaign, uh, a witting participant in the interference campaign. But the other side of the uh, of the equation, the, the counterintel question was, um, did the Russians have or believe they had some kind of leverage over Trump that would make them desire to uh, to have him in the White House, to view it as uh, something desirable for them if he were to win, um, whether that's you know, compromising information or financial entanglements uh, or, or something else. Um, from a national security perspective, um, that is a question that that um, wouldn't require necessarily criminal conduct on Trump's part. It could be that they have some kind of leverage that does not involve something criminal, um, but it's still important for the public to know whether that's the case, or at least whether the Russians believe that to be the case. And, and if Democrats were wanting to push for impeachment, uh, the fact that there was non-criminal but compromising uh, conduct uh, that the president undertook or some kind of leverage that Russians would have over him, that's important to know. I mean, I think it would, it would depend on the details of what if it was. If it was some, you know, embarrassing sexual conduct, I think it would be hard to consider that an impeachable offense. If it was some uh, unsavory financial transactions, maybe dating back before the election, that might be a different story. Um, and I think there's also the additional question of what, you know, so whether the Trump campaign was aware of the Russian interference, um, which it seems like they, they had reason to be aware of it, given the various forms of indirect outreach that were made, um, whether or not they were participants in it. And I think that's relevant because, um, you know, throughout the campaign and, and indeed well into his his presidency, um, uh, Donald Trump sought to, I think, 
call into question whether Russia was culpable, was responsible for the hacks, whether perhaps it was an inside job or a leak or some other uh, some other way that these emails had, had, had gotten out other than uh, foreign hacking. Um, uh, we really sought to minimize uh, the uh, the idea long after the intelligence community had pretty universally come to this conclusion um, that there had indeed been an attack on the uh, on the election. And, you know, again, would it be criminal to say all these things even while, in fact, you knew that, that the Russians were responsible? Probably not. Um, but would it be something that we ought to see as disqualifying for high office? I, I would think, yes, if he, you know, if, if, if Trump or the campaign really knew all along that, yes, this was the Russians, um, and yet all, you know, all along we're saying, well, maybe it was a 400-pound guy in his, um, in his parents' basement, or maybe it was uh, Seth Rich, the, the uh, DNC staffer who was uh, murdered and uh, spawned a lot of conspiracy theories about perhaps he was the true source of this. Um, if they were saying this while having reason to know that, no, it was in fact a, a Russian operation, um, you know, again, while not criminal, I think that would be culpable and perhaps impeachable. Julian Sanchez is a senior fellow at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. <laughs>